Hoos, good morning. Hey, man. Hey, hey. So we are back in the studio for the first time together in months. And we're in separate rooms. <laughs> we are. So since we've been gone from the studio, actually, we had so much stuff built. So we moved into the studio about a year ago. We've been planning the interior design. And while we've been gone, everything's gotten built. So we've got new carpets in. We have tons of new couches in. And we have these soundproof isolation phone booths that were set up for like one-on-one -on -one individual conference calls. But now we get to use them for the podcast and we are sitting next to each other, separated from each other by about a half meter of isolation foam. But you sound amazing. It's it's really great. I'm super happy we have these and uh, I hope going forward we can keep on using these and uh, people in the office won't crowd them. No, it is like a vacuum in here. It's pretty amazing how, how quiet it is. So who's, there's two topics we wanted to discuss on today's podcast. This goes back to relating to the situation that we're in, to the COVID-19 situation, to the distributed working situation, to the change of job situation. One of these topics is a little bit more about some of the potential detrimental sides of what this could bring. And the other topic is all about sort of the creation of new jobs and what that means. And so let's start with the first topic, which, Chus, why don't you introduce us to the potentially, but not yet, potentially detrimental side? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a first step. So by now, everybody has seen these videos of uh, the Spot Robot by Boston Dynamics uh, from the US, which is this yellow dog-like robot with the, the backwards knees that can sort of run around. Everybody's seen the video where people are hitting it with a hockey stick to show that it doesn't fall over and it can get up even if it does. Nobody ever really knew what this robot was for because the demo showed it off opening doors and, and um, like towing a heavy truck. But now we're seeing it out in the wild. The Singapore government and especially the, the tech branch of the Singapore government has put it out in public parks. It has a little speaker on its head and it's warning people to uh, keep their social distance because there's heavy social distancing control in Singapore and there's a fine on being too close to each other. And now we have this robot walking around and actually looking at people. And it seems that it is looking at how close people are to see when it wants to warn people. Yeah, so there's a few different robots. They do have the dog one, which again, looks like a headless dog. It's very weird. And then the other, they also have these weird little like tiny pod cars which seem to just drive up and down the streets or i'm sorry the the pedestrian walkways and just at a normal cadence present oh hey you know please keep your distance please uh be respectful and responsible but these boston dynamics dog uh robots they can go anywhere they can go on pedestrian paths they can go on grass, they can climb up hills. So they can really sort of follow you around. And you were talking about, you know, what what this may bring for the future. Yeah, so there, there's the obvious discussion about, hey, uh, there's now surveillance, there's a camera that can make certain inferences on what's happening. And I wanna, I wanna put that to the side because surveillance creep is normal and we see cameras popping up everywhere. What I find different about this new situation is that a surveillance camera does not have any ways of enforcing the rules. A surveillance camera at most can alert uh, officers to what is happening and then call in support. 
right? But right now we have a robot walking around that actually has the option to take action in the situation. And it, it could technically try to walk in between people. It could even run into people. So this is the first time where a surveillance system is able to act in a situation. And I think that's a very big difference. Well, so very easily it could have a printer on it, which prints you out a citation. But what is more interesting in a situation like this, if you start to add facial recognition, so the robot can tell who you are, and that facial recognition is tied into your government ID, and every country pretty much has a government ID, and that ID is tied to your phone number, all of the sudden you can begin to track people who are not acting socially responsible. And you can imagine that in this situation, right, if we're just telling you, hey, stay a little bit apart, that's absolutely fine. But if you start following that to some of the somewhat logical ends, you could really start to track people where a robot says, this person is acting irresponsibly, you need to track them. And then, you know, basically they're, they're tracked for the next three days to see what happens. So there's a whole nother level of surveillance. And to that point, one of the things that we've talked about so many times on this podcast is the idea of how policy is created, how policy is made, and why designers or somebody who thinks through scenarios, um, sort of the user perspective, is meaningful in creating what these robots do or how they act. Because if you don't have nefarious intent, it's very easy to assume that. The way these things look, how they are presented, the messaging around them, all of these things that designers typically do become very important to continue to trust them. Exactly, and you, you have to keep in mind it is a sensor and computing platform. And what this thing does is only a software update away. So right now it's warning people and it's walking close to them to tell them what to do or what not to do. But change a few lines of code and this thing can do wholly new things. So even just introducing this in the environment, slowly eroding if people like this or not and becoming used to it is a very big first step. The next step is only a software update away. Yeah. I mean, so so that's on that side, that is obviously the, hey, we go back to our little bit of, of anxiety and anxious part, which we tend to do from time to time on this. But the other side of this that we talked about at the beginning is the whole idea that while this situation could devolve into authoritarian control, while it could devolve into Big Brother watching us in 1984, hey, on the other side, we got Crossy Roads. Yeah, Crossy Roads. I'll keep on calling so, it that. I, I love it. And so uh, the actual title is Animal Crossing. But we're going to flip over to the, the complete other side, the very positive side of what's happening right now, which is all about new jobs and new ideas and people finding new things to do in this situation. And our podcast editor, Lena, is actually a huge fan of Animal Crossing as well. So I'm curious what you'll think of this discussion. But who's kick, kick, kick us off. Tell us what's going on. Well, to caveat that, both Joe and I don't play this game, so we know of it, but we haven't played it. But let's describe a little bit of what's happening in the game and what it is and what we find so interesting about it. So Animal Crossing is what you could designate as a, a slow game. It's not a game where you have to meet very difficult goals. It's not a game where you have time pressure, but it's a game where you have freedom to do what you want. You can design your own house. You can plant vegetables. You can go in there and hang out with your friends. You can have parties. So it's, it's much more of a slow game where you just go to relax. And 
in this new working from home situation or where people are just more anxious, this type of game is booming. This is what people want right now. It's a form of escapism. Now, many games have in-game currencies that you can spend to get upgrades or other things done in the game. So wearing new clothes, building a new house, that type of stuff. And the difference with Animal Crossing and other games that have in-game currencies is that with Animal Crossing, you cannot convert real money, dollars, euros, into in-game currency. You have to do the work for it. And doing the work is actually based on you can earn a certain amount every day. So doing the work takes a long time. You can't say, I'm going to sit down for two hours now, do a lot of work, and then I can buy my house. There's, there's more work that needs to be put into that. So even though real money cannot be used to buy this currency uh, from Nintendo themselves, there are other people who have found ways around this. So we read an article about one girl who was actually doing the work, getting this in-game currency called Bells, and was putting them up for sale on Twitter. So other people could buy those coins from her in the real world with real money, where she would then in the game go and give them the actual coins. I love this, and I'll tell you why. And if you take nothing else away from today's podcast, here's what I want listeners to take away. It is not that need has gone away. It is simply that need has changed. People's needs, desires, wants, they have changed in this environment. And there are so many people that are going down this like, but when do we get back? When do we go back, right? They're stuck in this mindset of things can only exist in the way that they did before. And what I want to express to people is that there's a whole new set of variables now. And maybe it will go back in the future sometime. Maybe six months from now, maybe whatever, herd immunity, vaccine, pick what, maybe as Trump would say, a miracle will come along. But right now, flexibility, adaptability. And I absolutely love that people are doing things like this. I can imagine that people who play the game, who play Animal Crossing are frustrated because they're like, well, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do it this way. And I get that. You know, I get the frustration, but I also get the idea that people want to be entrepreneurial in some way. And so to that woman and to anybody else who's doing it, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I want to I add some detail why I think this is so different to this happening before, because World of Warcraft gold mining and selling whatever special items you found, that's, that's 10 years old now. That's, that's not new. What I think is interesting here is that because this currency, this in-game currency, cannot be officially bought from Nintendo or from the, the makers of the game, uh, the price of this currency is actually fully in, in the hands of, of demand and supply. So it's really cool to see that this, this currency, like Bitcoin, uh, regulates itself. And, and you see the prices that people pay for this go up and down based on their need. And that's exactly what I find interesting as well. The second part is that there's lots of people who cannot go in for their job right now, either because they cannot physically go to the place where they work or because they have a gig economy job that has lost relevance. And these people can actually make their money in the virtual world of Animal Crossing right now. So the need for making money is actually very different right now as well. And I think it's very cool that people who are hit by this have new options. And I'm really curious to see what else will pop up in the near future. I want to go back to that point that you just made, that the, that there's basically a market price on these things. right? Like Bitcoin, my biggest problem with that is the uh, the price was always basically set by hype. right? You can say it's set by computing power, blah, blah, blah. But the price was essentially set by people who were purchasing it and then 
you know, this sort of demand. The problem is they weren't doing anything with it. It was just excitement. What is so interesting about this is there's actually demand because people want to use it for something. Yep. And there is a supply side. So you really have an economy and, and where this where the natural ends to this. So we talk about the natural ends to the robot, right? One of the potential natural ends of more authoritarian, right? So if we take this one and we play it to some of the natural ends, I could imagine that if a game were to get big enough, like if you take something like Facebook Horizon, which is their sort of um, virtual reality world, if you take, um, uh, what was the Travis Scott thing? Please help me here. Um, Fortnite? Fortnite, yeah, thank you. <laughs> ah. So if you take something like that, if you get enough people, if you get, you know, 2 billion people, 3 billion people like are on Facebook, and all of a sudden you create a currency within that. Maybe it's just accidental, right? Animal Crossing was 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 accidental. But if you create something, all of a sudden that to me is where it gets incredibly exciting because you're like, well, we created these these cryptocurrencies to try to take out, you know, uh, remove fiat currency, but it's not really tied to anything, which is which is what always struggled with me. Fiat currency is tied to government, whether that's GDP, whether that's trust, whether that's stability, whatever that is. All of the sudden, there is a market in video games, and if you can get a video game large enough, you can start disrupting things outside of it, and that blows my mind. And by the way, which is why I need to install Fortnite, but I don't have the 90 gigs on my computer yet to install it. So, Chus, I'm going to get there. We're going to go party. We're going to get a weekend. We're going to party in Fortnite together somehow. I don't know yet. This will happen. I'm, I'm going to come and hit the delete button in your phone booth now. <laughs> okay, you know what? Then I'm fine. I'm going to ask you the question that you always hate. Any last words? <laughs> Better install <laughs> go, Fortnite go for fast. <laughs> okay, man. Well, I will, uh, I will, uh, I was going to say talk to you next week, but I get to see you in about three seconds once we step out, and I will give you a social distance high five. Yeah, keep distance. Okay. <laughs> okay, later, man. Bye, man.